0: Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. A conversation with Ann gettys It's like I died and went to heaven. I have been a fan of this immensely talented, creative, award-winning photographer since before I can remember. Some background for those of you who have been living under a rock. Australia-born, New York City-based, and a self-taught photographer, has the distinction of being one of the world's most respected and recognized photographers whose work captures the purity, the beauty, the vulnerability of children. She's best known for Down in the Garden, her 1996 coffee table book, one of many, I might add, featuring photos of babies in unlikely floral settings, pea pods, toadstools, flower pots, which she built There's more than her books, which have sold in the millions, Anne's iconic photography can be found in calendars, greeting cards, baby records, and journals. Published in over 84 countries, they've been translated into two dozen languages. In 2017, Anne was inducted into the International Photography Hall of Fame. She's been named Global Advocate for Children in conjunction with the UN Foundation's Every Woman, Every Child initiative. She's an ambassador for the USA March of Dimes and a tireless advocate for the prevention of child abuse and neglect. We have a lot of ground to cover. So let's hear from this classy, committed force of nature, And welcome, and thanks so much for joining me remotely today. (laughs) Sandy, we need to talk more often. You've just (laughs) boosted my day. (laughs) You know what? I don't lie. When it comes to my introductions, I never lie. This was such a wonderful coup for me to get to meet this incredible woman, which we will talk about why you're incredible. But first, let's go way back. You were... Born and living in Australia, did you pick up a camera at a young age?
1: Not necessarily. Um, you know, I was, I'm one of five girls, and I was brought up on a cattle station, they call it there, um, I think here in the US, like, like a ranch. Um, and, um, you know, there were no photography courses in in the small schools that I went to. But I was always fascinated with uh, the concept of a still image and, and I still am to this day. And for instance, in my teens, I used to subscribe to Life magazine um, when it was in its heyday. And, and I was just fascinated with the whole concept of photojournalist's Telling stories purely through images, mm. and I used to stare at them, and, and you know, it's just something magical about a, a wonderful still image that makes you stop and, and, and take notice. Um, and so, but life went on for me, and it wasn't until I was 25 that uh, I really first picked up a camera seriously. And um, we were in Hong Kong at the time. Um, my husband and I got married in Hong Kong. And um, I started photographing, you know, children in backyards and, and that sort of thing. And, you know, it took me a few years to develop my style, so to speak. And I think every, every artist would know that. I struggled for a couple of years when I first started photographing because, you know, I'd look at my images and, and I was like, yeah, I don't know, you know, I mean, they're nice, but they're not they're not really moving me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it they wasn't real. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and every artist needs to tell their own story. Um, and I was finding it hard to tell my own story in the way I wanted to because I didn't really know what I wanted to tell. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to obviously photograph um, little children and, and babies and, and such because when I was, um, I don't have any images of myself as a newborn baby. Um, I have maybe three images of myself being under two, and that's about it. Um, uh-huh. you know, it. It was box brownie days and all that sort of thing. So, you know, I think that that's the underlying energy that drives what I do. Um, but anyway, we left Hong Kong and we came back to Australia, and we were living in Melbourne at the time. And, um, you know, I had uh, a little baby, um, Stephanie, our oldest, And I was looking through a suburban newspaper and I turned the page and there was this so, so simple black and white image of a young girl, you know, who would have been like six or seven. Um, And it was a studio image, very, very simple, just the her and the background and and it just stopped me in my tracks because because of that simplicity. Uh, And I called the photographer, uh, Leanne Temme, um, who's still in Melbourne, working in her studio and said, hey, would you like an unpaid assistant? Hmm. And she went, yeah, sure. i photograph on Saturdays and come along, right? So I remember the moment when I first walked into a studio and it was just like the penny dropped, right? It was like, yes, this is where I need to be because what I'm about is creating something out of nothing, something that wasn't there before and and I love walking into an empty space um, and making it all happen, setting up the lights in the background and, and creating, as I said, something that wasn't there before. And that's the way I always think about my shoots. When I go in there in the morning, I'm wondering what I'm going to be with in the afternoon. That's the magic of it all. What did you say to yourself as you were growing up? What did you want to be when you grew up? You know, there was a moment that um, is very, very clear to me now. I always knew that there was something, right, for me. And I remember standing on uh, the front lawn on the grass under the clothesline when I was about six or seven. And it was a, I had bare feet because the grass was really prickly. And um, my mother was hanging the the, um, washing on the line. And and it was a hot day. I just remember exactly where I was standing. and, And I said to her, there's something I need to do, but I don't know what it is. Mm. And and she looked at me strangely and said something like, oh, well, why don't you go and ride your bike? And oh I said, no, no, that's not what I mean, right? And she looked at me strangely. But f- for me, I, I always thought I had um, a story to tell, um, that I had a destiny in terms of something that I was going to do. I had that confidence in myself, and that doesn't necessarily translate to my work because I was unconfident to start with, which is perfectly normal, but I had this confidence in myself that I would be doing something important. Well, that's uh, pretty empowering. Yeah, well, for a you know six-, seven-year-old. Yeah, hello. Um, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> what but, path were you going to take yourself on as you aged, as you got into your teenage years and
1: in your early 20s? Well, I travelled, um, you know, and I went over to New Zealand for a couple of years and worked in hotels and then came back and um, worked in television where I met my husband, Kel, um, who's been in, he was in television for 30 years. And, you know, there was a uh, there was a, a black and white lab next to the office I was working in um, where the station photographer would take all of the photos and then develop them and everything. And that's where I first got the smell of those chemicals, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's just something about it. Uh, you know, it's magic to see an image appearing on on a blank sheet of paper. It's just absolutely incredible. And and I was hooked. But, you know, as I said before, I, I was always just loved images of, of people um, in particular. And I was just drawn to them. And And I, I think for a multi multitude of reasons, but probably, you know, a lot of the time when I looked in the dark room at my images coming through um, on the on the paper, I would think about that child in the image and how lucky they were to be able to look at themselves later in life in such mm. perfect detail. Um, and I think children these days are so incredibly lucky because, or not maybe, <laughs> <laughs> They've got a phone in their face from the second they're born, right? And they can see themselves when they were a minute old and, and hear themselves. And I had none of that, you know, being born in the 50s and a lot of people, you know, who were. Sure, um, sure. You know, who would never have a chance to hear their voice when they were little, that sort of thing. That, that fascinates me. Um, and the concept of new life and, and you, you know, that, that's my story. Uh, and, and you know, a lot of young photographers when they're starting out will say to me, you know, how 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 will I um, you know, set up my business? How will I become successful? And and I always say, you you're a storyteller, so you have to tell your own story. So you've got to figure out what your story is. Right, right. So how
0: long did it take you to do that, to figure out what your story was?
1: Well, the first for the first ten years of my career. I um, exclusively did portraiture and, you know. Of all I just, ages? Of all ages? Of all ages, yeah, families and, and children. And I specialised in, in the photography of children because I, I love little kids, right? they're they're I think they're amazing. And <laughs> when you see an image of a baby, for instance, or a child that's sort of under two, what you see is... Complete honesty, right? You can't make them do anything, right? Right. <laughs> right,
0: right. I have
1: tried, believe me. Yeah, can't hello, make me too. Anything, and that's true right? of yeah. them being 25 and 30 and whatever. Yeah, well, yeah, well, that's true too. That's true mm-hmm. too. But so I did 10, I'm um, sorry, uh, two sittings a day five days a week, literally for 10 years. And and that taught me how to relate to children of different ages. Like there's a vast difference between a newborn baby and a six-month-old and a 12-month-old and, and you know, the terrible twos and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. But it really, it was like, um, you know, doing my 10,000 hours because, you know, now I go into a studio and I know that I can pretty much get something out of it, even, you know, the most... Um, not stressful situation, but most difficult situation. Um, but photographing uh, little children, doing portraiture of little children can be incredibly difficult because you, you've got this child for, say, 20 minutes right on set and, and it's difficult to um, connect with a child who considers you a stranger. And, and as a professional photographer, to have the parents say later, oh my goodness, that is just so then, was very rewarding, right? But it was also very stressful for me, and, and I'm sort of getting around to telling you how I started telling my story, um, because it, it can wear you out, right? You know, it's, it's hard work mm-hmm. with little kids sometimes. It's rewarding, but it's hard work. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you know, and what you've got to do is once a month, just photograph an image for yourself, Right, where you're not answerable to anybody, where no one's saying, oh, but they're not smiling or blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, and, and so I started with, uh, the, there were two images that are, are very well known of mine, but everyone will know the little twins in the cabbages. Right, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Reese and Grant. And um, I started, that was, I think, the second month I photographed. The first month was a black and white image of a, um, a little baby Joshua, who is um, in in some uh, calico fabric? The way they used to weigh babies in the old days, right? They used to just hook them up and on a scale, and you know they'd be there in like a like the way um, um, they arrive with the, when they say in fairy tales that babies are delivered? What's I know what you mean. What's that bird that flies with the babies in um, the mouth? Like
0: a pelican? Um, a pelican?
1: No, a stork. Yeah, a stork. Like that. It's a stork. A stork.
0: That's oh it. yes, a yes, stork. Hello, Stanley. where did that's I get great. pelican yeah. from? Oh. The bird that flies with a baby. <laughs> <now>. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least but, I didn't
1: say you know, an owl or a hawk. <laughs> no, no, that's true. That's true. But, you know, it was it was a great thing for me because I remember taking that black and white image home, putting it on my dining table and looking at it and, and just saying, yeah, I really like that, right? And I didn't have to have anyone else like it. It uh-huh. was just me. Right, and then the next month I did the babies and the cabbages, and and then the next month I, you know, I went on and and just started to just use my own imagination um, and have fun with it. Right, that that was the, the key thing. And the the more I went on doing one image a month, the more images I accumulated. And um, then I was approached by a, a greeting card company. Um, because the greeting cards came before the calendars, um, to do a, a range of greeting cards. So some of those once a month images were in the greeting cards and also some of the portraits that I'd done, the classic portraits. And, um, you know, then I was on my way, you know, I started to tell my story um, within myself. And it, you know, it doesn't happen overnight, Sandy. If anyone's listening to this and they're a new photographer or a photographer of of many years, right? It doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, and magic doesn't happen all the time either. You know, I, I, you know. when I go into a studio, I'm always hoping for that magic, but it, it there are some, there are maybe like 20 images that I've taken over my career where that that supreme magic just happened and, and it's so fast, right? They, mm-hmm. It's like fleeting. It's like the baby gives you a gift. It's yes, just yes. Magic, magic in the air and you would mm-hmm. grab it really mm-hmm. fast, right? Um, and that's really when it's wonderful. Uh, you know, and, and like the image of um, called Cheesecake of a little baby lying in the bed of roses, which I think a lot of people will know, um, uh, you know, that that's magic as well, right? When the baby gives you something that totally unexpected. Well, they help me tell the stories. It's such a, a visceral reaction, how it sticks to us. I'm
0: curious though, when you picked up a camera and you were doing experimenting, were you doing this at
1: home? Were you taking pictures of your, ch- your babies? Well, yeah, I get asked that a lot. Um, and, you know, when I first started seriously in a studio, um, our girls were uh, four and two, um, and we'd moved up, we have moved a lot, right? Um, mm. We went over to New Zealand, to Auckland and because Kel was opening um, a brand new television network there. That's when I first really got my first studio. It was a tiny, tiny little place, right? And and I said to myself, right, I'm just going to be um, working part-time with, and the girls were so little and, uh, you know, and, and so anyway, this Australian couple arriving in New Zealand, I don't know if you know about the, the rivalry between New Zealanders and Australians. So I think it's a bit like, it's like the US and Canada. Uh, I mean, okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone sticks together um, and faces the outside world, but, you know, Australians say things like, oh, you know, things are getting so bad we might have to sell New Zealand. <laughs> 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 and, that's, and, and the Kiwis do it back at us, right? <laughs> so, so this Australian couple going over there um, attracted not, just the attention that Kel was getting, but um, what what does his wife do? Um, And uh, one of their monthly magazines published an image of a little girl um, in a tutu holding a bunch of flowers, um, you know, that I'd taken in Melbourne um, and the editor of the magazine just loved it and printed it full page um, with a story and it just, you know, I mean, the phone just rang off the hook this is where I started I was literally, literally thrown off the deep end, you know? Um, and so I had to scramble to, um, you know, be so busy and, and develop my skills at the same time, but it was a great learning curve, right? So, so you're
0: self-taught.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's huge. Anne. I don't think you can teach people to be great photographers. Right. And I'm not suggesting that I'm a great photographer, but I, I, I don't think you can teach them that. You can't teach people to see, right? People can see or they can't see. Um, and, you know, you've got to have your unique point of view. And that's right, what right. I had, my own unique point of view. Um, yeah, so, you know, uh, being self-taught, I, s- I already had my story, Sandy, right? I already, already knew what I wanted to say. And mm. to me, the camera is just a vehicle for what's in my heart, Um huh. And, and that's the way I see it. I had some advice early in my career from a, a fellow over in the UK. Um, you know, I was trying to get a greeting card range and, you know, calendars and everything. It was way before I became really well known. And, and he kind of, I watched him flick through some of my images and then he said to me, look, if I can give you some advice you're going to have to broaden your subject matter, right? Just photographing babies is never going to work. <laughs> 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 I was just looking at him like, what? <laughs> you know, and, and you know, I've just told my own story all the way along and, and I, you know, and I've forged my own path because really no one was doing this before me. For sure, for sure. Mm. Well, that speaks
0: volumes about who you are and what you feel you were capable and confident in, in doing. And I also want to just bring up in addition to the skill and the talent and creativity that you have you were also weren't you
1: a bit of a psychologist uh, you yeah. have to be a A psychologist definitely to photograph people, right? Yeah. You have to be an extra, extra practice psychologist to photograph children, right? Um, I would think so. And also to be a very patient psychologist. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Look, the thing is with babies and and young children, right? Everything needs to revolve around them, right? They're the ultimate ego in the studio. Mm -hmm. You've got to Mm -hmm. make them happy, right? Right. Uh Because if they're not happy, everyone is going to be unhappy with them, right? Exactly. It's it's like bringing a newborn home. Um, They're like, make me happy or everyone's going to be miserable. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'll show you. It's it's like the ultimate power, right? Mm -hmm. But that's the secret to it, you know, just everything. Everything revolves around them, right? You don't keep them waiting. You make sure that they're warm and they're well-fed and it's pretty basic, really. Mm -hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I hear, you know, parents after they've been to one of my shoots will say, "Oh my God, um, I had such a wonderful time. I, I didn't think it'd be like that. I thought it'd be chaotic and noisy." And 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 if you're on a set with children where it's chaotic and noisy, it's your own fault, right? Because you're not you're not organised, right? Everything absolutely mm-hmm. needs to be 100% organised. It needs to look so easy, um, and that's how professional we are. If it looks so easy, what is happening to you inside of you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm very, I, I think I'm very good at reading a room, mm. right? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, to me it's, and, and I work with, with a qualified team of people, very minimal, very minimal, right? You don't need a lot of people. Um, and, and I'm very much involved with the babies and the parents. and And, you know, it's really important to me that, when the parents are there, they also have a lovely time, and and they're made to feel special, and because they are, you know, and particularly when you've got very young babies, sometimes it's it's their first time they've had the baby out of the house, you know, and, and it's a big thing to get a baby out of the house, and you know whether it's here in New York, you know, um, whether however they're getting to the studio, uh, it's a big thing. It, it's it's a lot. Right and and so you know I I just like the atmosphere to be really really relaxed um, and I can spot something that needs to be fixed really quickly Mm -hmm. and and the key the key to working with little babies also is don't keep them waiting right (laughs) okay Um, Uh because they're not going to wait right Mm -hmm. and pick the best time of day uh, you know when when they're at at their most awake and. Uh, engaged, engaged, and, and comfortable. Mm. Yeah, you know, I have this saying that I've had through my whole career, right? And and it's like the kiss principle. You know, keep it simple, stupid. Um, <laughs> do Americans know that? Do, do you guys know? Uh, you know, know what? That? I'm not sure. Yeah, um, the, but I'm I'm stealing that. Keep yeah, yeah. Simple, the kiss stupid. principle. Oh, keep man. it simple, stupid. Okay, right? okay. That, meaning, I'm talking to myself, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I I always say you do one when you're shooting with babies. You do one thing. And then you do another thing, right? Don't overcrowd them. Don't have too many expectations of them. Just do one thing well, right? And then if you get through that and you've got what you want, then maybe you can do another thing or not, right? Mm-hmm. But don't don't be too greedy in terms of what you're trying to achieve, um, because it's just, it's just not the way um, they relate to people. So how did this play out? And talk about. Your path. My my very first coffee table book, which you mentioned at the beginning of the um, of our chat, uh, was called Down in the Garden, and it's like any artist or author would say: when you're actually creating the work, you have no idea how how it's going to be received. Mm -hmm. And but but if you're passionate about what you're doing, you don't care. You're just doing it, right? And and Down in the Garden, I always wish that I'd also had on the cover a children's story, right, because our girls were small and I'm a big fan of children's books, right? I, I, I just think that the way authors write for children is so clever and, and so respectful of them. Um, and so, you know, I, I shot down in the garden, you know, it was just like a rambling story about what happens down in the garden and 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 I am not a gardener. Right, mm-hmm. um, you know, I look at plants and they die, and you know, <laughs> terrible, terrible. We right? have that in common, Anne. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> do we? Mm. Um, but kiwis, or New Zealanders, they are they're called kiwis. Um, they're they're also very in tune with um, the countryside, right? And they they do have gardens, and and they have these little sayings like. Um, put out a saucer of milk for the hedgehogs, it keeps them out of the hen house, right? <laughs> and I'm like, really? Oh, God, okay. So, you know, I think the success of Down in the Garden was because of a combination of the imagery, but also the adult sensibility in the writing throughout the book. Um, and it caught the, um, the eye of um, Oprah. And um, she asked me to come over and be on and be on her show And I, you know, I have the utmost respect for Oprah. I mean, I, you know, I can't think of anyone who would have a bad thing to say about her. Um, But I'd never watched her show. Mm -hmm. So I really, and it was a good thing, right? Because, um, you know, I didn't have, I wasn't nervous at all. I was just, hey, okay, I'll come over and be on Oprah, not realizing the audience that she commanded as well, right? And so
0: 1996? uh, Yeah, Mm -hmm. 1996. Mm -hmm. And was that, did that mark your first? foray to the States?
1: Totally, totally. Mm, Wow. Um, And so, you know, at the end of our interview, um, Oprah held up down in the garden and said, this is a fantastic coffee table book, you know, and it just went whoosh right up the New York Times bestseller list. Yeah, what a surprise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but by that stage I was back in New Zealand, right, so I wasn't part of the hype at all Mm -hmm. and that was a good thing because I was just quietly doing my thing. Gotcha. Um, and. But Down in the Garden and the sales of Down in the Garden allowed me to be able to continue to create imagery and tell my story, right? Um, And so now, you know, I've I've had 10 coffee table books um, and seven, seven, what am I talking about? Seven. Um, And, um, you know, each book is a progression in terms of me telling my story. Um, Celine Dion also was a catalyst for, down in the Garden being a success because, you know, every holiday season, you know, they ask celebrities what they're going to be giving as gifts. And she said one of her top of the list was Down in the Garden. You know, it just sort of, hey, everybody loves babies, Sandy. Yeah. Um, and, and babies are a universal language. Um, so, you know, I mean, it, it's like with on my Instagram with the Joy series that I've been doing for the past year, um, asking people to send in a joyful photograph of, of their little child or little baby. Um, and I've heard from 87 countries. That's right? crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's insane. You know, it's wonderful. But, you know, from, from countries like Iran and China and Russia and, yeah. you know, Uzbekistan. And, and, but the message is always the same, you know. um message is like, I'm sending you my heart. Mm-hmm. And there's this little newborn baby, you know. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. means the world to me. Um, you know, or he has got us through this pandemic and women telling these stories about, you know, being in labour and wearing a mask and, and that sort of thing. You know, it's yeah. universal, absolutely universal. Um, and, you know, babies are the reason that, you know, we, we can all have hope for the future, really. But, uh, yeah, so it, it started there back in New Zealand and then, wow, well, it just sort of went on from there. Why did you come to the States and when? Um, we've been here for seven years now okay. um, mm-hmm. and, you know, I always wanted to live in the Northern Hemisphere. You know, uh, we've lived for half our lives in the Southern Hemisphere and I love travel and we would come to New York a lot. Um, and also um, it, my market is mainly here just per, um, you know, the, the population and, and in Europe and it's closer to everything. Uh, so that's the reason we're here. You know, I mean, I love New York anyway. I've always loved New York. So um, you know, I want so, to be an old lady here in New York.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the progression for you was all a natural act. Certainly you must have been, like you said, overwhelmed by the success of Down in the
1: Garden. But then you just, you
0: know, then you just kept on taking well, pictures. I wasn't you
1: know? part of the hype. So I didn't have a chance to get overwhelmed um, mm-hmm. because we were back in New Zealand. and Right, and right, right. It wasn't in in my face all the time, um, you know, so we just quietly got on with it. And, and I think it was good for our girls too because they weren't seeing all the hype and, and so on. But, you know, that trip to Australia and New Zealand from the US, it's so long and we've done it hundreds of times, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And after a while you just say, you know what, uh, I just can't do it anymore. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I can't right. do it anymore. And, of course, this was pre-pandemic. Mm. and so this has been
0: obviously a complete 180 for you well for all of us you know and who's ever lived in a pandemic before but in terms of how you had to and I use the term in quotes sort of recreate yourself in a way
1: yeah yeah I mean I didn't shoot um for almost a year um with, from you know last February to uh I did a shoot last November um because I didn't feel as if I could be seen to be um, going into a studio and asking people to come in. Um, right. But these days, um, you know, I did a shoot for uh, Luomo Vogue, Men's Vogue in Italy uh, last November um, or December, was somewhere in there. Um, and the, the COVID protocols in studios now are, absolutely 100% safe. You know, I mean, now that the vaccine's out here, of course, you know, that that there's a lot at the end of the tunnel, but, you know, to to photograph um, with COVID in mind and safety protocols is entirely different to um, what it used to be pre-pandemic. You know, you can only have one baby in the studio at a time, or in this case, it was twins who were on the Mm -hmm. cover. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, we had one set of twins come in the morning um, and then everything was sterilized, and another set of twins came in the afternoon. Uh, you just got to rethink the way you do things, um, but it is possible to do it really safely. So I'm, I'm easing back into the studio now. You know, I, I do quite a bit of private portraiture and and things like that, so which I'm really enjoying. I would think that the world needed
0: needs and get us during a pandemic time. We need the joy. We need the beauty. We need the love. You can't not recognize the public service you're providing. (laughs)
1: That's (laughs) nice. I'm providing a public service. Back last March, when, you know, the the whole thing hit all of us, hit the world, my oldest daughter said to me, um, you know, you should be doing something uh, to spread joy. And that's where I came up with this joy series on, on my Instagram. And all I did was one post and, and I said, hey, um, if, if you want to, I, I want to spread joy around the world and I feel that this is the way I can safely do it. You know, can you, if you'd like to take part, um, send me these photos, you know, tell me what country you're from, your baby's name and age. And, and it just blew up, you know, hundreds and hundreds of, of photographs. and But the thing is, Sandy, I got as much joy out of it as people got from sending their images to me, right? Because joy joy is universal and Pablo Neruda um, mm-hmm. once said they can cut all the flowers but they can't stop the spring, right? Mm. And this is what newborn babies mean to me, right? Mm-hmm. They're our eternal chance at new beginnings. And babies are still being born, you know, over the past year and providing joy and turning women into mothers and men into fathers and creating instant families. It's totally separate to a pandemic. We will get through this, um, you know, we, we will come out of it and we'll be different. I'm certainly different because mm-hmm. of the way I think about what's important and what's not important. Um, and, and I think that's going to be influencing my work going forward as well. Because now I feel that I've even got a more important reason to continue to tell a story, and I don't know what that is yet. right? Mm-hmm. But that's part of the that's part of the magic, that's part of the wonder of um, you know being a photographer, being able to do what I do. I mean, I'm incredibly lucky uh, to uh, you know have have access to so many beautiful babies and, and pregnant women and mm-hmm. um, and have them trust me, that level of trust. Yeah. Uh, is something that I never take for granted. So it's a very joyful business I'm in. Forgive the deification. You are iconic. Well, you know, I, I appreciate what you're saying. It's um, when I was first starting out, people, other photographers um, would say to me, and, and invariably guys, right, would say to me, oh, yeah, I used to photograph babies when I was first starting out, with the implication that then they went on to something more important. Yeah, right, right? they were
0: being dismissive,
1: yeah. Well, you know, no, just they're, they're how you start and then you move on. Oh, okay, right? Mm-hmm. all right. Um, and, and I was like, what? That I was really puzzled by that because they're these babies are amazing. Their concept of pregnancy and birth, and mm-hmm. I mean, it's absolutely fascinating to me. You know, for, for instance, in my um, one of my books, Pure, I basically told the story of pregnancy and new life, right? I'm photographing a woman's belly who was having triplets. And, oh. and you know, I mean, it, was, it, it I think it's probably my favorite of, of all seven. Um, and I can't remember, it came out in when was Pure? 2000, something. I have to, I can't remember the year. Um, it's all a blur. But it's called um, Pure. For, pure. Okay, it's yeah, mm-hmm. called Pure, mm-hmm. right? And, um, you know, a, a, every book for me is telling a different story. Um, and because it's a, the same subject matter. And But if you were a fashion photographer, say, people, if I was a fashion photographer, People wouldn't say, well, when are you going to start doing landscapes or something? And they're like, no, I'm a fashion photographer. <laughs> right, <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh-huh. Um, they wouldn't say to Ansel Adams, um, when are you going to give up landscapes? Uh, you know, I mean, it just wouldn't happen. And so sure. I think I think what I found so satisfying is that I've given babies a sense of importance uh, within the art world. mm mm-hmm. um, I like to create images. There's so much imagery that's going on around the world now. You know, millions and millions of of images taken every day on cell phones, and are really just a fleeting thought, right now. And we, you know, with Instagram and and all of this, everyone's just walking around, scrolling. You know, I was in Central Park this morning. People in this beautiful park, right? And people are on their phones. Yeah, like, <laughs> I know. And they're just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and they're fleeting thoughts. These images, right? And I like to create images with a sense of completeness, right? And that lasting. Some, yes, and that someone will stop scrolling mm-hmm. and think, "Oh my goodness, look at that!" Right? That yeah. And and that it stops them in their tracks. And and I. That's what I want to continue to do. Um, so, you know, it's a big call. I mean, every time I go into a shoot, I never know what's going to be happening. So, um, but that's the magic of it, really.
0: Well, to have that somebody can keep picking up your book and, uh, or books, I should say, or, and looking through the art that you've created, <laughs> that it's this, it can be this constant joy. It's not fleeting.
1: That's, that's the word I yeah, was looking for. It's, it's so not fleeting. Yes, it's timeless. It's timeless. And, and, you know, I do, private portraiture, as I as I mentioned, and, um, you know, I say to um, parents, you want to look at this image we're going to create in 20, 30, 40 years' time, and as if it was just yesterday, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I have a friend in Sydney who, gosh, I photographed her two children maybe 30 years ago, um, and, you know, they're both... Uh, parents themselves now and she said a little while ago she said you know and every time I walk past that image I have to stop and look at it and and that for me is wonderful you know this very very simple black and white image of her two children when they were small Um, and that still stands the test of time and I think that's what that's the job of professional photographers these days you know Um, You know, I get asked a lot, oh, well, everyone's got a phone, but everyone's not a photographer.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's for damn sure. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I'm curious, have any of those babies reached out to
1: you as they got older? Oh, sure.
0: Yeah, I'm not surprised.
1: I mean, (laughs) on on my Instagram, um, uh, I haven't posted one recently, but I've, I've got this little series called Baby Look at You Now, (laughs) <laughs> um, and I was saying, you know, I said to people, I haven't done it for a while now, um, you know, if you're in, in one of my early images, um, you know, send a photo of yourself and tell me what you've been up to and, and so on. Um, I mean, there's an image of a, some of them have just done amazing things, gone on with their careers and having babies and um, travelling and there's ballerinas and, you know, I mean, it's all, it's quite shocking to me, actually, because in my mind, they're still those babies. <laughs> I'll tell you a funny, Let me tell you a funny story. Um, there's an image that people will know of a tiny premature baby um, in a gentleman's huge hands that I took back in uh, 1993 in New Zealand um, in a NICU unit. And the little baby weighed 2.2 pounds. Her name mm. was Manisha. Mm-hmm. And um, now she'll be 28 this year in Mm -hmm. November and I photographed her a few times you know as a child as well and she's a photographer and she interned with me in my studio in Sydney and so there she is like when she was like 18 or 18 or 19 and um it was one Friday we finished a shoot and I said to everyone the drinking age in in Australia is 18 um and um we were all having a glass of wine I said Manisha would would you like a glass of wine she said Yeah, yeah, I'll have one. And I went, wait, no, you can't be doing that. And she's like, I'm 19, Anne. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're not. You're 2.2 pounds back in that NICU unit. Now, you know your place. (laughs) Oh, man, that that just must be such an incredible feeling for you. Overwhelming and beautiful and joyful. Oh, absolutely. Like one of the cabbage twins, you know, sent me a picture of him with his little daughter on the beach and, you know, it's really lovely. It's just lovely.
0: As I said in the introduction, that you are a tireless advocate for the prevention of child abuse
1: and neglect. Yes. What a contrast. Kel and I have spent all of my career uh, raising awareness of of child abuse. And um, I started doing that with my very first calendar when um, a woman that we knew in New Zealand was very well known in in New Zealand Sarah Faye and um, she did a lot of charity work and had decided that she wanted to uh, start raising awareness of child abuse and neglect. Now this was in the early to mid 90s when you couldn't even mention child abuse on television you mm-hmm. just you know it just was not a thing and um, and she told me that she had been approaching um, you know organizations and companies to try and raise funds for this when and the door was closing. in in her face. These were people who regularly donated to child cancers and, and, and all of those wonderful other charities, but didn't want to be associated with the prevention of child abuse. So, and I was like, that can't be right. And so I said, well, you know, what about we give um, a portion of proceeds from the calendar to the prevention of child abuse? And that sort of got me out there talking about it. And, you know, lo and behold, um, about a year into all of this, um, I found out that one of my sisters um, had been abused as a child by a school teacher over two years at our little country school. Um, and uh, she had told my mother about it and um, my mother didn't believe her. Mm. Uh, and she, and basically my mother said, um, if you talk about this anymore I'll tell your father which was enough to keep a little girl quiet for the next 30 years (laughs) um but eventually she knew where this teacher was and the education department was moving him around every two years to little country schools and and when I say this you'll you'll see it happening regularly um you know in in any sort of um area where, the, where children are involved. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, we ended up taking him for court and he served jail time and and so on. But it was just, I never realised it would be so close to home. I was completely shocked. Mm. Um, I just couldn't believe it, right? And and in in those days, people just didn't believe that people could be that awful to children. Awful.
0: Yes. Now yes. it's
1: all coming out and, you know, they had a royal commission in Australia and, um, you know, um it's it's just a different world in, in relation to how people are very aware of child abuse and neglect these days. That's right. And that's hopefully, right. you know, um, Kel and I have been, um, you know, partly instrumental in helping yep. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we continue to do that. So, Anne, what's in your
0: future? If I was your fairy godmother, although God, God knows you don't need one, what would you <laughs> ask of me? What would you ask of me?
1: Uh, that I can just continue to inspire and, and be inspired myself. Um, And, and in this world in particular, you know, we're all so close together, right? Like I I look at my direct messages on my Instagram and I'm going back and forth with people in Ireland and France and Israel. And, you know, I mean, it's, we are so close together. It's, so much easier to spread joy, right, because yeah. it's, it's accessible to everybody now mm-hmm. um, and that's what I want to be doing, talking more about that. And I've just launched a, a brand-new app. It's a, my new Anne Gaze app and, and we just launched it last week and it's a, I want to get very involved with this um, because it's a photo storage and um, sharing app where you can store your really precious images in, in the cloud. Um, and um, also share privately with friends and family. So, you know, it's different to Facebook where, you know, so many people are on it and everything. Maybe you just want to share with a little group of people and, um, and so you can do that, right? Um, and we've got this really um, incredible community joy board. I want, I want this app to be an Anne Getty's community, right? Uh-huh. And I've been um, posting blogs um, regularly uh, and, um, you know, I, I just posted a blog today Telling people how I um, did one of the images um, for for an awareness campaign for meningitis, um, and and talking about how I went about the whole thing, right, In back with behind the scenes images and and telling the story of what goes through my mind when I create something like that. So I've got the blogs on the app, and you know, there's a store where people can. Um, you know, put their own images onto all sorts of different things and and it's just like an NGTI's community, right? So, you know, if people um, if you want to find out more about it, right? Yes. Just just go to ngettysbaby.com, right? And you can download the app there and it explains what it's all about and um, you know, but it's it's just a whole fun community to be involved in. Um, and so you know it's it really came from the joy series on my Instagram. Now we've got a joy board on the app, right, <laughs> where you can add a picture of your child, right, and they dissolve in and out. And there's these babies from around the world, you know. Oh, you should go and have a look at it and and look at the joy board. And, um, you know, so that that's what I'm really excited about right now.
0: Very, Very cool. And Geddes, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your day to have a conversation with me. It's been, as I said, I just feel so blessed and so lucky to have been able to meet and get to know you. And we're always open for a part two and anything that you want to promote or share about what's happening with you. Oh, please don't hesitate.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's been great talking to you too, Sandy. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, it's actually really nice to just sit and have a chat, you know? Especially these days. No wonder podcasts are so popular, because we're, we're not actually meeting people. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of everyone's so desperate for conversation and, and and to share um and stories and everything. So, you know, it's been lovely for me to just sit here and chat with you as well. Oh, that's great. Well, there's a there's a nice intimacy. That's right. That's right.
0: And Geddes, thank you so much for sharing your passion and your life and your work. I really feel blessed. Yeah, me too. Me too, Sandy. Thank you. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein.